0: never.
1: Great week ahead. Uh, I'm enjoying right now. I already played 20 rounds of golf, and uh, my girlfriend Rhonda has now been nicknamed, uh, self-nicknamed, which is even better, the golf widow. Um, all I need to do is put out a little bit in the morning, give her 30 seconds of love, and she's ready to roll. And a FaceTime here and there. So yes, thank you uh, for letting me play all the golf that I need and fitting these podcasts in. Uh, episode 33, Unfiltered with Matthew Barnaby, is sponsored by, no, you know what, screw that, partnered with my boys from Coolbet, the most transparent sports book out there, easy to navigate and easy to cash out. A lot of books are not, trust me, a lot of these books are so hard to get your well-earned money that you win betting on sports back in your pocket. Also, just partnered with P-L-Y-R. Golf.com. Unreal fashion for the course. Comfortable, sleek, and it follows my motto look good, feel good, play good. Go to plyrgolf.com. By the way, MB36 Golf Clothing Line coming very soon. You're going to love it. Can't wait. Uh, It's time. Got a new fee on the show today. A great guy, a former. First round pick, eighth overall by the Montreal Canadiens. How about this stat line in his draft year? 50 goals, 60 assists, 110 points, and 207 PIMS. Uh, Tough guy, great guy. Also, author, Tales of a First Round Nothing, and has a great podcast as well. We don't like promoting other podcasts, but... A great guy like this, and he is a great storyteller as well. Tales with TR. Terry Ryan, welcome to Unfiltered with Matthew Barnaby. How are you today, buddy?
2: That's uh, a great intro. Uh, I really appreciate it. And I'm doing well, uh, given the circumstances. Maddie, you know how it is. But uh, here in Newfoundland, I'm, re- I'm referring to COVID, of course. Um, we've got no cases for the last month, so it's a little bit different. We're still taking precautions, but uh and a lot of what I do is mountain biking and hiking and stuff and I'm just happy that my my daughter's healthy and we're having a bit of fun we get to spend some time together not to downplay the situation but you know there are positives I I tend to be a glasses half full guy if not I would have probably jumped off a cliff in the in my mid-20s but uh, (laughs) I I just you know it's it's okay considering
1: it's funny you say I was gonna say I don't think much in Newfoundland has changed, right? You guys stay inside, drink some beer and some whiskey <laughs> and glass last fall, If you're like me, when the glass, uh, glass is half full, we usually fill it up again and, and go yeah. right from there. It's a great way of, of taking it. My life hasn't changed much now that golf courses are open. I'm a, I'm a massive golfer. I play every single day. And in the intro, I was talking about my girlfriend. She's a golf widow now. For the next five months, I play golf every day. I do my podcast. I like to have some fun and drink with my, with my boys, but not much has changed. So you mountain bike, you're doing your podcast, how old's your daughter? And, uh, you look like a fucking true Newfoundlander right there with that picture, the hat, the no tooth, which I'm going to get to. And that fucking beard of yours, um, You, you, you look you look like you are in well, COVID, but this looks normal, too.
2: I feel the part. And you know what's funny? So um, I, the, the picture on the wall is not a setup, actually. It's always there. I am proud of my heritage. And I've always been reminded of that, being the only Newfoundlander to play in the Western League. You know, and I, I made the move. The draft in the West is when you're 14. And it was pretty hyped at the time for 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 the times, um, at least around here. So I've always been reminded of that. The first thing a lot of people say to me, oh, you're from Newfoundland. Um, I mean, literally Todd Harvey, when we got in a fight on the ice, it's the first time I met him was in the slot. And that's what he said to me, David Ling. It often happens. So I've come to embrace it. Not that I didn't before. I just, I, I think when I was younger and I'd come back for a few months and it was more about seeing my friends. But, you know, in the last probably decade, I really embraced the place that I lived. It's great. I love our country. And uh, despite everything that's going on, we have a lot of freedom, and uh, I just love it. But our heritage in Newfoundland, my family comes from. I come from a family of fishermen uh, on both sides. But you could say that uh, if you go back far enough. But uh, I'm not. I like going out for for a bit of fun. My dad is a teacher, and uh, my mom had odd jobs. Never in fishing, but uh, in Newfoundland, uh, you know, I like to go uh, trout, and I guess we would say once in a while. I've never done it for a living. Some people do. Ryan Klo played in the NHL. Ryan and his father owned some uh, crab boats. Uh, you're never too far from it here, but, uh, yeah, I really embrace it. And as far as the – this hat was my grandfather's, if you can believe it. My grandfather uh, passed away when I was, th- yeah, 12 turning 13, and I still remember it. He was uh, in the military. And, uh, well, he was actually in uh, World War II. Not that you asked, but he was on the HMH Bulldog, and that's that was a okay. major. It was a submarine that uh, they, they they it 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 ended up capturing uh, the Enigma machine, I believe. And because of the HMH Bulldog, we got to crack codes, and eventually, you could say indirectly end the war. But my fa- my grandfather was on that ship, yeah, and uh, uh, he grew up. I, I grew up. Uh, he he started the Mount Pearl Legion. And a bunch of his friends uh, were, were, were veterans of the war and they were fishermen. So it's always been not too far from my heritage. You know,
1: I, I want to get into being from Newfoundland and all the things. I, I've only been there a couple times and uh, unbelievable people, but I, I wanted to go on to going to the Western league and, you know, being from Newfoundland, there's actually a lot of guys that have played in the national hockey league from mm. Newfoundland and always, you know, very tough guys for the most part um hard workers uh very proud of their heritage just just like you are yeah. uh did you have a favorite player growing up that you looked up to and h- how how did you get to the western league like when did you leave home to go there because that's not the route most guys from newfoundland no. take to get there
2: well that's a great question and um it's layered so if you've got five minutes i can answer what we, we do we got um, lots of time yeah so My father played professional hockey and in Newfoundland there's he played in the WHA. Okay. So I assume most people know what I'm talking about, but it was a rival league of the NHL. My father was drafted 44th overall into both leagues. He grew up very poor A family of five. His father was a waiter. His mother didn't work. Uh, he grew up in grand falls, Newfoundland, grand falls cataracts, won the Allen cup, very big hockey town. Just a few years ago, we have a great senior hockey league over here. Uh, this, this will probably put an end to my senior hockey career but it was fun while it lasted um but anyway Grand Falls is very well known so they, they they had a mill back in the day and they brought in Joe Byrne who was a 10-year NHL vet and he came back and kind of and immediately five guys off my dad's Bantam team went pro or not immediately but immediately he made a difference in that the, the, the team he coached in Bantam five of them went pro eventually Tony White scored 30 for the Washington Capitals. And it was unheard of. Other than that, in the, in the 60s, we had Alec Faulkner. He was the first Newfoundlander to play in the NHL. He played with Gordie Howe um, on the Red Wings. It was a big thing. But, you know, until the 70s, there really wasn't my dad. And, and, and there were a few more without boring you and getting into it. There's probably eight or nine of them. And I also don't want to leave anybody out. And then the 80s, there was nobody really. And it wasn't that we didn't have great hockey. There was just no one gave it an opportunity to come here and scout. There was no globalization of the internet. There was no yeah. videos to send out there. You had somebody's words. So in, I believe in 1990, hockey fans will know this name, you know, John Slaney, who was great around here. But again, there were there were more people. I mean, John ended up going ninth overall. So he was clearly dominant in minor hockey.
1: I, I, play, with, like what, I play with Slaney.
2: Yes, okay. And, so, and
1: anyone from Team K, anyone that watches the World Juniors knows how instrumental he
2: Yeah, was. how impactful that goal was.
1: Yeah, great, great player, great guy. Continue.
2: Yeah, yeah, and I'm glad. I've, yeah, he would have been right smack dab in your era, wouldn't he? Well, there were some guys. So he went and, you know, he did that for Canada and then got drafted ninth. And like no one had been drafted in years. One guy, Steve Locke, played in the OHL and got drafted in the 11th round one year. Daryl Williams, who you must have come across, uh, he played one game for LA. I think he got drafted like again, ninth. He might not even get drafted. There really wasn't a buzz. But our, uh, locally, the hockey talent didn't get any worse or better during that time. It's just that no one really saw anybody. Slaney played in the SO Cup, which was like this Bantam Championship at the time in Ontario. And, New, you know, so if he won his Newfoundland district and got to go, and that's how we got scouted but no one was coming here to watch anybody so and so and, and to move on I, I think what happened well i'll get into it so i didn't really know what to do i went to the quebec peewee tournament and i was rated number 1 and we were the mount pearl blades you know and we were in the international b division i was almost my size now man i was i was about 5'11 180 185 in peewee wow. <laughs> and there was no hitting and yeah so i, I you know i could, i mean i was good you, you
1: must have loved going you must've been I the only it. guy in Peewee going in the shower, just hanging the crank out. Eh? Oh
2: yeah. Oh yeah. Just all of the above Maddie. That was the Quebec Peewee tournament. That was my first time in a bar. And you know how I got in, I put Vaseline and pepper on my face. Um, <laughs> and, and I it looked like a stubble and I put my hat down, just one like this over my head. And, uh, my buddies were there. was an, another guy on my team was, you know, kind of close to my size. No one was, was my size. And, um, Anyway, we uh, we went in and uh, that was the first time. So I'd often, no joke, I had like, and I had a bit of stubble, but this, you know, I was big enough to look the part and get into strip clubs in Quebec when I was 13. So, um, anyway,
1: <laughs> I was trying so to get my first finger bang in that tournament.
2: Well, yeah, I, I, it was right around that time. I'm telling you, I got, I remember there's a story. I got up a girl's shirt and I didn't know what to do anyway, anyway, anyway. <laughs> So I I was rated number one, and this team asked me to go to Vancouver and play in the Vancouver Super Series. I came out here, no Max Super Series? Yeah. No, I can't remember what it was called. It was called the Super Series. Maybe that's it, the Max Super Series. Max Super Series, yeah. So I didn't know. So this team asked me to go. Now, Matty, this is a true story, and I think this – you mentioned that a lot of Newfoundlanders, Newfoundlanders, and we have per capita, have played in the NHL, but a lot of it happened after that, and I'll tell you what happened. I I was oblivious to it. My dad had played professional hockey. He had friends. One guy was Mike Wanchuk, scored 50 in Kalamazoo with him in the eye, and, uh, you know, knew about the Western League. I remember he bounced some ideas, because Tri-Cities also wanted me to go out there. They were interested. The draft out West is when you're 14 into the Western League. I was thinking about going to Cambridge. Cambridge had heard they had a team called the Winterhawks. Todd Harvey played there. He's two years older than me. He was another, like, super prospect when he was younger. And I... You know, the jigs and reels, they contacted me. That's what I was going to do. Tri-City offered me to go out, though. Oh, sorry. We go to the tournament. But instead of me going to the tournament myself to play with Vancouver, my dad said, why don't we get an all-star team from around here? You know, no one ever does that. Let's take a team of the best Newfoundlanders we can get. And I'm born in 77, but he said the '76s are real good. They're probably better than your crop of 77. So why don't you jump on with the Bantam team? I was in Peewee. And you come on out. And sure enough, there was one guy actually, So, and he took two, two other bantams with me. One guy's name was Kurt Walsh, and Kurt played, was a third-round pick to Buffalo. Um, he would have been in camp with you at one point. Not that you would remember that. There's all kinds of people at camp. But what I'm saying is that the wall started to be broken down. We went out there. Ten of us ended up going to major, junior, or college at some point. Uh, a couple of guys stayed and played junior A, which was unheard of at the time. There was nobody going away. Yeah. This was just off our team. A few guys couldn't make it. One guy, Jeff Loader, didn't even play, and he ended up having a career in the coast because they went right here. They started scouting immediately. Shortly after that, to digress a little bit, right, now Ryan Klo comes along. Now Michael Ryder. These people are – Chloe lives in Southern Shore, Rides. Adam Party, Rides and Adam Party lived in Bonavista, which is like three hours away. It's very, very, very remote, one of the most remote parts of Newfoundland. So it wasn't just the people from the city anymore. And within, say, 10 or 15 years, then I'll have Luke Adam and Adam Party and Teddy Purcell. And I could go on and on. We just had Alex Newhook drafted 13th overall last year. Dawson Mercer is rated number 10, I think, this year. So clearly there's talent here. And for the most part, if you're living here, you're not playing a lot of teams on the mainland. So there's a lot of good talent here.
1: Teddy Purcell um, will be uh, joining soon. <laughs> He's a fucking beauty. A beauty. He is. He's right? A He's a beauty. And there's the other thing,
2: Matty, is that we're good. On, most of us are pretty good in the dressing room. And you know what that is. You had to make, you know, I think your last year junior, you had two points a game. Not that you didn't. I, I'll get back into it. I have a question for you. Maybe on my pack has some time. How did you not go higher with 500 penalty minutes and fucking two points a game but anyway well i that sticks in my head i know i'm not too off on those numbers but anyway you know what i mean then you go to pro and you go to the nhl and you realize you're not as much of a scorer and you you were a huge fighter anyway but you know what i mean you got to do things in the room like play the music if guys like us when we're coming in if you don't have a good attitude you're probably going to be sent down yeah but guys you know we tend to have good attitudes in But petty purcell He's a great dude. I don't think he's a total anomaly for the Newfoundland hockey players. Chloe's the same way. I certainly am. Cleary has a bit of that spunk. Um, you know, and, and I guess you could say a passion for living as well as, as, as the game of hockey. But uh, anyway, yeah, that's a long way around it. But that's kind of what happened. And why did I go to the West? Only, honestly, because the draft... Was when you were 14, and I figured if I if it doesn't work out, I can go back to the OHL. Maddie, the one thing I did not want to do, no offense to you or anybody else, at the at the time in the 90s, I did not want to go to the Quebec League. Yeah. Um. I was. I knew. I. You know, like I was coming out of Pee Wee, but I had a spunk. I'd been suspended a few times. Right, guys, get on me. I mean, we won the All Newfoundland 16 to nothing. I had eight. We had to go. I had to go somewhere. Yeah. I had to leave this island, but. You know, during that time, you know, fans would get on me. I'd throw a water bottle at him. I fought in the stands. Like, there was – and my dad saw that. He said, there's, there's an energy here that he's, needs to be harnessed, and you can't be making a habit of that. He said, out there, people will straighten you out pretty soon. And he was right. I played – as of the next year, I played junior at 14, and they straightened it out first game. But, but that was more my style. Now, okay, now I can't do what I'm going to do. Now, I can't do anything I want on the ice, and I'm also going to be called out on it. And I kind of like that. And then I realized go to the net, get the reward. I'm not scared to take a punch in the face. I'm not tough anymore like everybody else. But I love that part of the game. And the Kamloops Blazers, in my five years involved with the Tri City or in the Western League, the Kamloops Blazers won the Memorial Cup three of those years. And Swift That current was 20- Darcy
1: Tucker. Yeah. Again, love. Don't. Uh,
2: Don't. Darth Tucks. Again, Ladone, in the five years, Scott Niedermeyer, um, Rob Niedermeyer, at one point got traded at the end. um, Tux, you got Tyson Nash. Tyson Nash was on the third and fourth line. He played six or 700 games in the NHL. Struds, you got Brad Lukowicz. Brad was like their 50. He got two cups with two different teams. Um, Zach Boyer, Jarrett Dooling. Zach Boyer was the overtime uh, hero. Corey Hirsch was their goalie the first year. Geez, I could go on and on there. I I feel like a Nat Domnichelli, a bullet who'd score 130 as soon as look at you in junior. Decent pro, went overseas. They were stacked. And the, you know, and their best players, again, Don, Tucker, Ginla. What do they have in common? Right? That league, on my team, we had me and Surrey and Lankow, Rob Butts, uh, right? Like uh, Jason Bowen. So the league... Even scores, like I often say, if you look at the top ten scores in the Western League, um, there was always guys that will well-rounded games have tough, like uh, you know McCabe. I'd say Surrey, myself, even a guy like Marty Murray, who was smaller-ish and a scorer, yeah, but he still had to be tough. You know, so scouts knew that. You know, how is he scoring at that size in the Western League? He doesn't drop his gloves, but there's a level of toughness, toughness just being associated. So all kinds of guys were coming out of the West. So I mean, I'm answering your question the longest possible way I could, but that's why having my father known all that and I had a a kind of a history of lashing out. I think he, he thought maybe that you could combine the skill and the toughness and, and you know, I was going to find that. I was still 14. So I, it was a lot of – I'm not saying his decision. He gave me the option. Yeah. Uh, but I, I got out there and loved it, so, you know, why not?
1: I, I was I was a, still undersized my first year. I didn't get to junior until I was 17 years old. I missed my draft my first year. I was last overall. My 17 I heard you year were old. tiny. I was very tiny. Very, yeah. very tiny. I was 148 pounds my <laughs> so, first year at 17. Like I was a little wow. guy. I was, I couldn't get into strip joints until I was like 24 and had a kid. And I was like, all it's, right, come on in. I uh, started growing like 18 and 19. Now- we had the Brashears and the OJICs, and those are the guys. That yeah. the well, you
2: guys, I'm not saying it wasn't tough in the queue. You, you were more ahead. You're like one or two guys, three per team that were yeah. absolute killers. Whereas in the, in the West, it was like guys like Lankow fought 20 times. Anyway, yeah. Go ahead. I,
1: I was going to say, playing, playing in the West, who, who, who's the guy you knew when you were going into that building or that team? You knew, okay, it, it's coming off three times. The tarp's coming off three times tonight. We're, we're going to go at it for us go, rolling into Laval and I'm going to talk about Michelle Therrien later cuz I you have know, some great stories on him but he was a fucking douchebag him and Hartley were coaches yeah, and that,
2: that doesn't kinda, surprise me
1: you know I'd shoot pucks at them in warm up I love it they sat on the bench but they they had I, I was going to fucking war with a pop gun they had McCarthy yeah. and Ojek Arsenault <laughs> Kovacs he was just sitting there laughing the puck would drop and he'd send out yeah. everyone just to beat the fuck out of me and the rest of our team would be like, ah, I think we're going to take the night off. You're, you're good. What, what was, because I know I've talked to Kelly Chase and Jim McKenzie, the Coasters, yeah. all, all those guys, the Western Lockheed. I've never been afraid of the Ontario League. I, I think it's good hockey, but it's benign. To me, it's out of the three leagues. Very good hockey. But yeah. I wouldn't have been afraid to play there. Going into Quebec some nights, it was tough. I yeah. know Westerners, and I saw Wendell Clark the other day. The fucking crazies are out in the Western Hockey League. Was there a team or guys that you knew, fuck, this, we're going to get on tonight?
2: Yeah, Spokane. So in the, it's a bigger ge- geographical layout in the West, right? Like for us to go to Brandon was 30 hours, so we only did it once. But like within our division, Prince George, it was in the Western Division of the Western Hockey League, was 16 hours away. And more than once we played like on Friday in Prince and like it's Saturday at home. I, I I still look back and go like, how did wide? And we just, you know, reschedule. anyway, schedule it different. But it, so Spokane is an hour and a half, two hours away. But they were our arch rival because they're close. They're, that's that's close in that league. After that, being in Tri-Cities, it would be Seattle and Portland in about three hours. And then after that, you're looking at the B.C. division and all that. It's just way up there. So it's more spread out. And, and it's also both in Washington State. So you'd often sell out those games with more fans comes more passion, more energy, and more expectation, both uh, about the same size rinks. And th- what was going on was it wasn't just players. We, we played each other the most, I think, in 94 and 95 county exhibition because we played them in the playoffs and went seven. We played them like 24 times. And, you know, the fans had it on for each other because it was in Washington State. This has been going back for years and years and years with baseball and football and whatever it was. So there was that natural rivalry. So it was definitely Spokane. And who would they have had? Uh, Brant Myers, Kevin Sawyer, uh God, Sean Gillum. They had uh, Jay Birch, even like guys like Jason Padoll, and didn't do a lot of fighting in pro. Like the Western league, uh, you know, Saskatoon with Chris McAllister and Wade Belak as deep partners. Yeah. Right. And then it's, it's, it's it Prince George at one time, I believe, no, I know at one time had three of their D-man were Surrey, Chara, and Brewer. You know, so it was, It was, and, and I'm just naming the people that people recognize from yeah. NHL. Named. There's all kinds of other people that, so like, it was, I'll tell you this, Manny, a funny story, not that you asked, but um, the I remember, I think the president of the Western League at the time was Ed Shinaworth. I I could be wrong. Whoever it was, I didn't really know league presidents. I wasn't in it for that. But it, when I was 15 at Tri-City Camp, um, it was great. I loved being drafted at 14 because then your whole 15 year old year, you can't go there, but they'd fly me down. I was in Cornell. I was in there every second weekend. I spent a lot of time. I played my three games as a 15 year old, but a lot of time with the team. And I remember um, president of the league coming in and he said, well, guys, I'm just reminding you. And he's like, 10 minute misconducts don't count in this league. <laughs> and I was looking around and I was like, why, why? And I was looking at the other guys and they're like, and um, Lanks whispers to me, he says, because people try to break the record I'm like well what do you mean <laughs> and so apparently there was so many brawls and whatnot that they wanted to tone it down by because they figured people's people are trying to add tens to get more penalty minutes which was true I mean uh, some more than others I didn't really think about it if I'm going to get one I'm going to get one and but if, you know you get enough line brawls that that's 40 minutes in itself right yeah. so um but Kerry Toporowski I'm not kidding. And you look this up. This is the year I got drafted the Western League. I didn't know what to think of it. He ended up breaking the record anyway. And he had 515, I believe, penalty minutes without 10s counted. That's I don't. I, I don't even know how you could do that in, in 72 games. And anyway, they also, just to make sure that there'd be no brawls before the game started, we weren't allowed up with the – my first warm-up with the other team was in my – first nhl exhibition game the western league we if we played in seattle we'd have to say the game was at 7 15 we'd go in we'd come out at 6 15 we'd go out for 20 minutes full flood then they go out for 20 minutes we'd be in take our gear off ride the bike and then we'd meet on the ice it was that crazy and you know those stories even just drummed it up more when you you try to do that then players rebel right and then you're like okay you think, you think you're you think going to get us before the game? We're going to start a fucking brawl after it. How's that? And it was just, it was chaos. But I think what scouts saw was that if you come out of it alive and you could actually navigate your way around that and get points, then not just points, but the obvious, um, you know, then you you must be a pretty good hockey player because a lot of other leagues were more open and you had more time to think. That That honestly, that's really but I'm trying to sum it up. Uh, there were lots of reasons, but that's definitely what I saw.
1: Yeah. <laughs> you had to have balls back then. You don't have to now, like, but yeah. you had to ins- and and GMs and I have a draft story. You have an unbelievable draft story that we're going to get to. And I want people to hear. And um, for those that out there that haven't listened to Terry's podcast, tales with TR absolutely unbelievable. Also get his book, uh, tales of a first round, nothing. Um, I, I remember back then and, and coming in i had 476 minutes my i last can't believe year. that man how many fights, fights is that 52 fights
2: 52 fights in one season i yeah, had I won, 34 one I, year and that was my most and i heard
1: you say before you had one year with 44 you were interviewed 52 yeah that was my last no. year but we had 10s and uh i had come back that was the year i had 111 points it was it was different I only won like 4. I didn't, I didn't win many. I'm not going to say that Doesn't I Doesn't matter
2: though. That, it's but it's I won all many.
1: but yeah. Lost lost a lot.
2: But I don't it, even think you lost a lot, Matty. I bet you you draw you 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 had a lot of draws. you probably, your NHL probably. fights, I watched a lot of them, man. Yeah. And there you, you didn't win a lot, you didn't lose a lot. You you fucking stood in there. You were we're very similar. Anyway, but it,
1: but it's funny you bring up the story of separate warm-ups. When I first came in, I, we had full face masks my full first half year. We yeah. have and we did
2: oh wait wait, wait 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 what
1: we had full face masks my first year in junior wow yeah so we had to come in and to fight like you're not just grabbing a guy you're you're unbuckling the straps I can't believe that so what a weird progressive
2: yeah. thing at the time yeah I mean I figure we might get there again in 20 years yeah I mean there was leagues on the go that had no I don't even think the western league had a visor at the time and you guys no, are going around with
1: I, I think they had the visors. It was a couple years before, but then we went full face. Then we took it off. And then after 10 games in the league, I bet you my first 10 games in the league, we had eight bench brawls before the game started. And then they instituted wow. the 15 minute warm-up on each side, just like you guys. Um, it was just, it was, it was, it was yeah. just fucking clear, clear insanity. Some,
2: sometimes I take for granted that, that last part of the, uh, because Todd Gillingham, I don't know if you know Todd. He told
1: me some oh, stories. Oh, Trois-Riviere. He played on the best Twa. line in junior my year. I was minus yeah, th- yeah. I was minus 13 in yeah. fucking two games because him and the centerman. Um, from Yannick Perot, I think. Yannick pro Literally, yeah. I'm in Beauport on an expansion team. <laughs> Todd Gillingham's a fucking beauty. Love him. <laughs> he was a great junior player. Like, great. Had a great pro career. He bounced yeah. like – unbelievable their line was so good and i remember every time they score in tour of year they had this big barrel that would catch fire and it would come <laughs> sliding over your fucking bench he, he, and i exactly told me about that and he, he did,
2: i get a lot of stories about the late 80s and early 90s from him in the queue and so i shouldn't be that surprised it's just been a little while since he said them but go ahead yeah this I, is I, wild, I just
1: remember I mean. always i'd get on the ice all the time i was a rookie i'd be like hey Yannet uh, Mano Raon was her backup goal. I Go, come on, tell me who, who's finger banging this girl before <laughs> of the game? You did,
2: yes, that would be the first thing you'd say.
1: That's the first <laughs> thing I was. I didn't care. I was minus thirteen. I was carrying who's banging Mano, that hot little thing. But, oh uh,
2: fuck! Of course. Yeah. yeah you look. You of, look great, by the way. You look great. You. You, you know. COVID- you, you lost some weight. You're in
1: COVID what? seventeen. 17 Shit. pounds. Yeah, changed the diet. Wow, you look
2: younger than the last time I saw you a couple of years yeah, ago.
1: Well, I was probably hammered falling down in, <laughs> in fucking St. John's which uh, we tell tell the people what is getting screeched and I have been to, I've been to Newfoundland twice. Last yeah, I'll time I'll tell it's, you it's it's like anything I I've, I've never seen anything like it. Whenever we do these charity events for hockey, usually after you'll get like 15 20 people saying, "Hey, let let let's go for a beer after." Literally this thing closes down in Newfoundland and it's about 11 o'clock at night. And I have 400 people following us down to George street, like oh, yeah. not 15 to like 400. I'm like, when do you guys got to be home? They're like, it's Newfoundland, man. If we're home by Monday for work, we're all good. It's, <laughs> oh yeah. It's, it's all it's good. It's we're people. ready to take it tell, off. Tell the people what being screeched in is because I okay. get it. It's hilarious. I can't do it justice.
2: Well, yeah, if you're coming here there, and there's the, – the tradition is, you know, if you're a mainlander, quote, unquote, you know, you come here and, you know, if you're not from Newfoundland, you can get screeched in. And it's kind of a rite of passage for people that come to Newfoundland if they want to, you know, b- take in all the culture of Newfoundland. So what you have to do, you have to have a saying, and it's usually, uh, you know, they'll give you – you know are you here to drink or whatever are, are, are ye uh, screechers yes I yes I is me old cock and long may your big jib draw right that, that's there's all kinds of which means yes I am and good luck but there, there's all kinds of sayings that's the most familiar one that I'm with um, that, I, that I've experienced and then you have to kiss a codfish a live codfish and then you have to take a shot of Newfoundland screech and after that and a few more minor things that change from bar to bar place to place that you go because it's a big thing here um you know you get a certificate and all that and you know i've been screeched in and it really is something that and usually a lot of locals you know you hear oh there's a screech-ins are at four and ten tonight yeah and a lot of locals will go down and watch them and, and it, it goes way way back manny I, I i took folklore in school for what reason i don't really know but i came out of it with knowledge no money um but Folklore, yeah, the, the folklore of Newfoundland is it's part of our heritage. It goes back, not way, way, way back. A lot of people, actually, that are real traditionalists, think that it's a bit of commercialism, but I think it's great because it, it you know, we, we do it with you. It's not like you're going to yeah. Walmart and buying a screech in set, you know, we do it with you, and it, we, we, all traditions are started somewhere. Um, and I'm going to go somewhere with that. So, after the last time, by the way, before I tell my story, can you imagine how much the Newfoundland growlers love it here? they oh. got an East Coast League team, and they won it last year. Their first year in the league, Correct. they won it. What a time. It was party time for two months. People were coming in from all over the island. They packed it. Their party was – their party on a relative level was akin to the Raptors party. Like, there was people everywhere. Um, for the, no for those that
1: don't know, the Growlers are the East Coast team of the Toronto Maple Leafs. I uh, mm. saw them last year at a hotel – They're all there. I I coached a bunch of kids that now play on them coming into this year. But I can't imagine the fucking party. Because anyone that knows Newfoundland knows George Street, first of all. It's insane. I don't know how many bars per capita there are there per square mile.
2: The most, I think. It's George Street, Water Street. And Water Street is the oldest street in North America. So if you put that in, and you've been down there, like the buildings, we try to preserve it. Downtown is a heritage, um, forget what they call it, a heritage site or it's obviously a heritage site, but whatever the, the houses are protected in okay. the buildings. So if I want to buy somewhere down there, I have to sign a waiver that I'm not going to, the city has the right to renovate. They, you know, and they, and they do it for free. So it's, it's a great deal. If, yeah. if you want to buy a spot down there because they will maintain it for the most part, um, their heritage houses. And, um, you know, so it's got that look and it's had it. We're the oldest city in North America. Um, so for that long, George Street goes back, but it wasn't always only bars. So Water Street every is longer in a relative level. Think um, if you were in Toronto, say there's Yonge Street, which has bars on it. You go down. But if you go to like Queen West, you see like bar, 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 bar. Well, George Street's only bars. And and restaurants, and it's not as long, obviously. It's probably only about seven, 800 feet, uh, maybe a little bit longer than that. But, you know, it, it's probably 40 or 50 establishments. But in any case, you know, everybody, it, it just opened up. Yesterday was Monday, so there's people down there <laughs> enjoying the day. I mean, social distancing, whatever. But on a normal time, uh, a- any day of the week, you go down, it's a celebration. People love it. And there's Irish music playing usually. I mean, there are clubs and stuff, but here it's more live music, yeah. Irish music, pubs. Yeah, so I mean, people might be a little bit dismayed that, you know, the clubs aren't open. But I don't think anybody really cares here. Like, we, 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 it all opened up. You can have your fish and chips. You can stay there and have beers with the boys or girls or whatever anyway. I, but I I'm digressing. In Toronto, so,
1: in, in Toronto yeah. when guys go out, it's about getting laid, drinking to get laid. In Newfoundland, yeah. it's drinking to drink. And yeah, if you get mostly. laid it means you didn't drink quite enough or it's not going to be great for the next lady. baby yeah
2: I, it really is yeah i know what you mean it's like after a game you know if you go out and you're clubbing it you know you're probably looking for a piece of tail but if here yeah you know you you go out and it's more of a day drunk here too yeah you go out and you you know you go down to george street and the accordions are blaring from the outdoor speakers and you go into one of the establishments you belly up you get a pint the shot jameson's maybe and you go from there if you run into a young uh, female so be it uh but yeah it's more about the party um but I'll tell you what's funny you don't even know this it it was the first time that you'd come here so it's probably five or six years ago I don't know maybe seven yeah but after one of those games I gave you a ride down and I had a bunch of booze in the car because at those things it was the heart and stroke event you know what I mean like there's people that have host house parties there's all kinds of things so I bring booze with me because I don't know where we're going to end up It could be in Middle Cove. It could be George Street. It could be at some random house in four in the morning. (laughs) So I had booze there and we were driving down and we were going to go to this cool little place uh, called the Bull and Barrel. And it was um, it was a nice little sidebar. And I I planned on taking I did end up taking you there. But we went down. We went over to the Bull and Barrel. And we were uh, we had a drink. I was kind of waiting. I was waiting because we were going to go to a house party anyway. You didn't. I didn't think you realized all this. So anyway, we got back in the car. We were going to go, and I said, "Fuck it," you know. Let the 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 thing is in O'Reilly's. Let's just go in O'Reilly's. I'm going to sit here in the car. I'll meet you in there. I'm having a drink, and I'm waiting for my friend to get him in the door. Because you know it was a closed event. So you went into O'Reilly's. I sat in the car. And I now I now I'm like, OK, I'm not driving anywhere now, but I'm turning on the car. I'm listening to tunes and I'm waiting for my buddy. So I had a couple of shots. I'm loving it. I got I won't forget it. I'm listening to more than a feeling. I'm blast. And it's been a great <laughs> night. I just smoked half a joint. I'm loving, loving life. I'm about to go in. And, you know, every time you guys come along, like Ally i a friend, Shane, Corson And at this point, you know, the alumni things, you know, it's, it's like a family yeah. almost. So it's great to see all the boys again. And I'm loving it. So anyway, I fall asleep. And sure enough, sure enough, there's a knock, boom, 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 boom on the window. Whoa, whoa what's up? What's up? Sir, can you get out of the car? I'm like what? What the fuck? And I, not only that, not only that, like halfway through what I'd done, I was, I was look, I looked around and I'd had like three drinks. I was in there for like an hour and I pissed in a cup. So I pissed in a cup and then I put, I was just, I was going to take care of all this. I know this sounds motley, but whatever. I'm out now. I'm in my car. I didn't drink on the way there for all that angry letters you're going to get. I wasn't drinking, drinking and driving, but I did have the car going, I'm pulled over yeah. and I'm right outside of the Sundance is where it was the Sundance. So anyway, they call me out of the car and I'm like, geez, I get out and I got like piss like stains on my jeans. I got a thing of piss with an open beer and an open thing of rum or whatever. And I'm like, oh, I'm, I'm fucked. And she's like, can you walk the line? I'm like, well, you know, I can, I can probably walk the line. But I'm going to be honest with you. Like, I'm definitely going to blow over here. But I said, like, I'm outside of this bar. And then when I said who I was and what I was part of, it only got worse. Oh, you think you're above the law? I'm like, no, I didn't even fucking know the law, though. It's not like I'm going to go on a fucking highway vacation right now. Yeah, yeah. I turned the car on. I'm sorry. But anyway... She's given it to me. And if it wasn't for my buddy, Colin Shaw's, his name. And he just joined the police force and he pulled up behind me and got out. And he said, no, I'll take care of it. It's all good. And I'll never forget it. Whatever she said to him. And she was right. Yeah. She said something along the lines of like, this guy's a pig. And anyway, I was like, you know, wrong place, wrong time. But, you know, come on in. I'll get you a drink. You know, I'm sure you <laughs> know someone that's a hockey fan. There's all kinds of legends in there. <laughs> Just whatever. I wasn't going to drink and drive, but whatever. I ended up getting a warning. She would have taken me in for sure, though.
1: Well, good, because I've been on the other end of that. No, we don't condone uh, drinking and driving. I've been on that end. It doesn't end well when you try it on three wheels, by the way. So do not drink and drive. <laughs> we have Uber. You guys have Uber there. and We do, yeah. I you mean, got it? No. If there's one place... No, no, I'm actually,
2: not... sorry, sorry. We, we don't have Uber. That would, I, I believe if that happened in Newfoundland, then there would be a lot of... Uh, uh, you know, legs broken. Who knows? Um.
1: Take take me take me to the draft. I don't know where your draft was. Mine was in Montreal. Obviously, you got drafted by Montreal. Take me to the draft, your story. Um, I, I thought I had a pretty good one of the year I got drafted, uh, getting asked by John Muckler if if I, on a Saturday night, would fight Bob Probert at 8.05. Mm-hmm. And I said, well, no. At 8 o'clock, I would have already asked him to fight. And that <laughs> yeah. was my response. And our head scout, Larry Carrier goes, I told you, this kid's fucked up. Yeah. Um, tell me your draft story I will. when you go. Maddie, we got Kilder. a lot in common, man.
2: We're, we're about the same size. And I think, you know, I'm not knocking, I'm not diminishing that you played way more NHL games than I did, obviously, obviously. But outside of that, and if you want to go even around draft time, yeah. Because I was thinking – Um, when I said similarities I mean size the way we fight um, absolutely points in junior but I think like attitude and stuff because yeah I was thinking during these things I'm not going to answer all these like everybody else I got to stand out like yeah just like I want to stand out on the ice so and I don't want to also bullshit them or be too snappy so most of the time I was you know just logically trying to give an answer that would work. I remember Dallas flew me in and gave me a picture of like these
1: three guys in a corner. You, What do you see? Be, before, I before you like, even go there, I want to yeah. say, because I, I've told everyone this before I met you, I'm like, Oh, this guy's a fucking wing nut. Like he's crazy fucking this and that. <laughs> and then I meet you and, and anyone listening to the podcast right now and listens to yours, you're very thoughtful. You're very analytical. And you know,
2: a good word analytical there's, there's, that there's is a lot
1: of people experience. out there that just think oh my god he, newfoundland likes to fight matthew <laughs> army this guy's fucking crazy i think we are a lot of the same and we think out our answers and we just don't yeah. react there's always a method to our madness i just want to say that before you answer because you are very analytical and you're very smart and you're very thoughtful and you think of what you're going to do next before you do it thank yeah.
2: you and, and actually maddie i think and, and I think that works. And if you can get a healthy, you know, a lot of kids like, cause I hate to tell them this, like if someone actually asked me, I, I don't want to tell a kid. Cause you, you got to know how to answer these things. Like you could maybe open your mind and maybe practice what you might say going in, but it's, it's gotta be half, you know, it, you got to really read the situation and um, you got to embrace it and, and kind of think about it going in. And, and one thing Maddie People don't realize now because they think that like people talk to me like, well, they didn't even train in your day. And, oh, you did, guys didn't have to do any. I said, no, like other than the actual combine, I had to do all of that stuff. There was just no like one place to go and do it like the combine. It was, you were doing interviews on the phone and in hotels and all that shit. But I mean, it always went on. And I think the more we go into the future and romanticize laziness in the past, I'm like, no, we had to be in shape though and stuff. You could definitely drink more with the boys Yeah, But outside of that, I wasn't eating Big Macs on the way to the rink. But, you know, anyway, I just figured I'd say that. Um, And so, yes, there was a process. And thanks for the compliment. And I thought, you know, so at the time and being rated, I was rated anywhere from 10 to 20 uh, going in. So I, um, Dallas, you know, flew me to Toronto. I did some interviews there. We went down to Washington. We went all over. And, yeah, so I remember they showed me the – these pitch a bunch of pitchers and you know one was of like three guys so i'm like well and they were kind of in the corner that you could have said that they were sc- hiding from something they were scared but in each one i'm like well you know this guy's picking up for these two because they're wounded and they're at war and oh you must be a team player you know i'm like well I'm gonna. so in my mind i'm like i'm, I'm guessing that everybody was gonna answer them like that but i, I guess a lot of people didn't and they really liked my interview so who would you meet who would you want to meet you know and it would be like i picked john lennon and jesus christ and i'm like that i think i'm really surprised if hundreds of people don't answer you like that you know it's got to be different I mean, if someone just says you know john bon jovi or something i figure it's just an easy layup so anyway at the time okay yeah jovi now a lot of people don't know um but i digress so anyway i I, mike Barnett called me again he's my agent he's Wayne Gretzky's agent and he had me and Damon Lankow and Brian Boucher all three of us ended up going in the first round and we all he had a lot more than that just three of us played for Tri-Cities so we were st- st- standing in adjoining rooms and uh, Lanks is from Edmonton and this is where the draft was in Edmonton so Lanks had a lot on the go and um, doesn't talk a whole lot anyway I don't think he thrived on those interviews I think he did well on them because he was honest as the day is yeah. long but um and and Bush, So Langs had something to do with a bunch of his buddies in Vegreville, and we were going to meet at Cowboys after, which is a bar in Edmonton, a classic. You know, there's one in Calgary that gets a little bit more hoopla, but in Cowboys in Edmonton at the time was just as crazy and fun. So we were all going to meet there. You know, we're 18. We just got old enough to actually drink. And in Tri-Cities, there's no bars. So my junior stories aren't quite like yours because we drank, like, in sheds and stuff like I do in Newfoundland. But we couldn't get into a bar. Yeah. It had to be 21. And everybody knew the Tri-City Americans. So anyway, um, you know, we're going to Cowboys. And I'm fucking pumped. So Burnett calls and he asks us to do the interview. So anyway, Bush does his early lengths. He's like, no, I got this to do. I'm not doing it. Fair enough. And um, Mike asked me, he goes, look, I just, it's not only about you. I want to keep a good reputation with these guys. All I'm asking you to do is go to the Islanders interview and the uh, Tampa Bay interview. So I said, okay, well, fair enough. You know, it's NHL interview. It's not totally pissing me off. It was just that these were scheduled for like three weeks earlier or whatever, and we didn't do them. So whatever. But it's the NHL. I don't want to get it. It takes shit for granted. I'll go. So I go into this Islanders meeting three hours later whatever I go up to like one of the penthouses I'm, I'm in the I walk into a, like a boardroom kind of atmosphere so there's the in a, a boardroom kind of table which means like it's a long oval type thing with like four or five seats on each side right and uh, two like clear heads of the table so that's the only seats that are open so I sit in one of the heads of the table my back's to the door and the scouts just start talking and they're like you know we they're, they're loving it. They're, they're telling me how great I am. I'm good in traffic. I'm tough. I'm like, Jesus, I'm thinking to myself, you know, they're picking first overall. I know I'm not going there. Like, why are they telling me all this? But I'm loving it. And I'm like, this isn't an interview at all. This is just a stroke fest. So I, and then all of a sudden, right. They're like, okay, well, the second part of the interview is coming. I'm like, what? And then I hear the footsteps coming from the adjoining room and it's Mike Milbury. So Melbury comes in and he doesn't sit down at first. He's just kind of walking around with his hands behind his back, fist clenched kind of thing. And um he's uh, or holding holding one hand, fist clenched in the other. And he says, uh first just rickets right into it. And he says, uh, I think you skate faster with the puck than without it. I say, oh, okay. And then I'm thinking, like, is that is that a compliment? I I think I, it, I would think I, so, it, yeah. I I would think. But but I guess it wasn't. (laughs) Because then he says, on top of that, it's a good thing you played with Damon Lanco. I don't think you would have had all those points. And I said, Well, it's a good thing he played with me, or I don't think he would have had all those points. And because Lanx ended up 94-95 was a lockout year. All the NHLers came back. The year before I was a 16 year old. He was he had a late birthday, but you know, we both had 30 and like 50 points. I ended up with 110 and he led the league with 140. So I'm going.
1: Hey, we I, compliment I each all, other pretty good here.
2: Yeah. said, well, I compliment him pretty well. I'm pretty confident of that. And, you know, in the climate of this year, this league, the fact that we did all of that with the NHLers back, I'm pretty proud of. He said, fair enough. He goes, I think if you fight, um, I think it was Wade Belak. He says, you know, if you fought him uh, 10 times, you'd lose nine of them. There was a famous, or at the time, fight. that I, I think it's on YouTube now. Where I fight Belak. Now, I didn't win it or anything, but he was a killer and I didn't lose it. And it went on and on and on. So, you know, word got out and he was known, and he played in the West, in the the East side. Sorry. So we only played Saskatoon twice. We'd already played them in Saskatoon. I knew in the third period of the second game, I don't have to deal with this guy anymore. Yeah. Right. So, yeah, you know, so it's time to go. So anyway, and I said, well, but he didn't. I said, so fair enough. And I said, Mr. Milbury, You're picking number one where I know I'm not going. And I said, you're picking number 27 where I sure as fuck know I'm not going. I'm going (laughs) to fall somewhere comfortably in the middle. So anyway, he says, okay, tough guy. I'm going to give you a scenario. He said, you're in Tri-Cities. And I believe he called us hoodlums. And he (laughs) said, you and you uh, hoodlums or whatever. He said, you've been out. Called us something. And he said, you, you've, you've uh, taken these girls out. You've had a nice night. You've gone to a movie, whatever you are done. He presents a situation. He said, now he goes to his place with his girl. You go to your place with yours. He fucks his and he goes home. Thing is, it's 10 to 11. You have a 10 minute drive home and curfews at 11. Now, this particular girl wants to fuck your brains out. She spreads her leg on the couch and says, fuck me, Terry. What do you do? So now. I drop the Mr. Melbury all together and I grab a sip of my water and I say, Well, Mike, <laughs> I fuck her for five minutes and then I speed home. <laughs> so, yeah. Now, half the table started laughing. Half of them were like, Oh, Jesus. And he said right away, He goes, Okay, that's enough. Interview over. So I turn around. In the dress, in the doorway, I don't realize, is Phil Esposito because he's representing Tampa in my last interview. And I guess they must have played together on Boston. I'm, I'm, I'm connecting the dots now. Yeah. I didn't, at, or, or later, but I didn't at that time. I'm like, that's weird for another guy to be in the room. I didn't even know it because my back's to the door. But he was just opening up anyway. He knew what time the meeting was going to end. And he said, Come on out to my interview. And I go out with Esposito. And as we're walking, he loves it. I, he must have heard the answer. He goes, I fucking love that answer. <laughs> he goes, Come on in. And I went in and as he sat down and he was in there with Tony Esposito and he said, how far apart does Napoleon sleep from his wife? And I said, a Bonaparte, Phil. <laughs> and he said, uh, yeah, yeah. He said, you just won yourself a great conversation here with me and Tony. And he said, I gotta be honest. Um, we're, we're not going to draft you. You're not a good enough skater and we're picking fifth overall. Maybe if we're picking later, but he said, you got anything to ask us? And I asked him, asked him about the Canada cup, about, uh, uh, you know umpteen questions that I had the boys were just sipping on a beer and then he said you know I'm, I'm looking at Lankow again I'm, I, I don't want uh, to draft you we don't need a guy like you right now but he said I'm really curious about Lankow he said what kind of a guy is he and I said well he's you know he's works hard he's you know he's very determined he goes Terry 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 fuck off he goes what kind of a guy is he does he have your back I said always he's got my back and I got his he said okay fair enough he said, I think he's a great player. Do you? And I told him everything I th- I loved about Lanks. He said, okay, good luck. Shook my hand. And the next day they took How fifth overall. And I went eighth. Yeah, it was a great, great day. Um, now, do I suggest going that far with the, with the interview? No, but I do think if you're a kid and you're going in, you got to start, think for yourself. I think yeah. that, you know, I showed some level of independence there and, I don't think that the Islanders specifically liked it, but word got out, and, and I know. And, you know, that was just a, a microcosm of all the other ones. You know, you yeah. I get asked by almost every team, and you know, try to be a little bit different without being disrespectful if I had any advice.
1: Yeah, I, I did an interview. I interviewed with, like, four or five teams in mine there, there were some funny ones, some generic ones. Buffalo was, was a good one. I probably would have answered, how much was, how much is the fine for the curfew? That probably would have been my, you know. How, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. How, how hot want- it? How hard is she? Is she a 10 out of 10? And how much is the fine? Well, you know, see, exactly.
2: So whatever happened in my head, it was going to go to one of those places, right? It was going to go to one of those places. But that's, yeah, that's true. And, you know, what ended up happening? I got a great story years later. I knew, and the way he approached it, I think he knew that I wasn't going first or 27th as well. If they were really, really interested, I think the questions would have been a little bit different
1: a little bit older than you. I, I believe you're forty-three now. So yes. four years younger than I am. I, I just turned 47. Uh, we're playing in Montreal one night, young kid comes up, and just like every every veteran who's there, and even a young guy coming in, you're you're looking at the notes before the game and you're looking yeah. at who's coming up and who's playing, who's in the lineup, whether it's Lyle lower the line. Yeah. um, you know, probably whoever it may be. Well, I see this young kid and I look at the stats, I'm like, all right. Did we never really follow the draft. I think we follow it now more as probably now, players definitely. Do because, yeah. you know, social media and everything's glad we didn't know the players from the Western league or whoever it was. And we, we really didn't care. It was a young kid coming up and um first game I play against you. Didn't take too <laughs> long. You getting two scraps, I believe that night, but we have a pretty good one. I'll, I'll say, I'll say it's a draw. I would give the, Upper hand to you and re-watching well you're being nice. i a hundred percent think it was a draw. Um, it was a draw. But in Montreal, our first fight, you asked me, and and we go at it, and mm-hmm. you get two scraps in Montreal.
2: That was a great uh, and you know, like I said, man, I'm I'm glad I got some games because I got some great memories, and I uh outside of my Rocky thing with the and I'll get into that a bit later. Like I have great memories of Montreal, I'm proud to be I have. But I was called up, man, you know, from Fredericton and Freddie it's not like if you're in Toronto and you play for the Marlies and you go across the street, like Freddie, you feel far removed. And, and I mean that in a good way. It's, it's a nice place to, yeah. to come through. They don't have a minor team anymore, but it was, a really was a liaison between it was the glue between junior and pro. You know, I often say like, it must've been great to play for the Philadelphia Phantoms, but there's not that shock of being called. That can be good or bad. Yeah. I liked Fredericton. It reminded me of Newfoundland. But when you're there, you know, you're in Dolan's. You feel a whole lot, or the upper deck, having a beer. It feels a whole lot. It feels like a long journey away from uh, the NHL. So when you get the call that day, it's wild. So the reason I got the call, no one was injured. It was the last game of the regular season. And Montreal nor Buffalo could go up or down in the standings. They couldn't really affect each other. So I believe... um, and it was weird because I'd never gotten a call from a coach, and I don't know how long we spoke, but Alan Vinio spoke to me on the phone, so I knew he was going to give me a bit of time. And again, because he wanted to rest some guys, and uh, you know, see what I could do, he really did give me a chance. I played most of that game, definitely the most I played in an NHL game, and I loved it and I embraced it, and I just. I went out there in the first, I I do the same thing. I looked at your team. There was no lack of tough guys over there. You and Bob Bugner were, not that I headhunted it totally. I didn't jump anybody, but you know how it is. You and Bob Bugner are right around my size. You like to fight my, and I knew that at the very least, I think I can get the fans out of their seat with this one. Rob Ray might lick my lips and it might be over before it starts no offense to you either, Matt. No, I know hey, you,
1: hey, I would have done the exact same thing. You know what I
2: mean. Yeah. I, I, I'm just going, you know, I'm looking at it. I I'm, I'm trying to, like you said, I'm being analytical about yeah. my future. Okay. And I knew that the game was probably going to be a bit of a stalemate because the game didn't mean much. So yeah. my energy in that game really, really brought up the the fan energy level. So I, I hit Boogner. He came right back at me and we had a great fight and, um, I got out of the penalty box, and I played with Recky that game. He set me up, and I had a breakaway on Hassock, and I, I made the move too late. And who knows if it would have gone in, but it, it certainly looks like it on the film. But whatever. It, I was into the game, and it was Dominic Hassick. I came and I said, "Jeez, I just hit the post. With, I said, Rex, if my career ends now, which it almost did. It <laughs> I only played a few more games. I said, I'm, I'm happy I hit the post on Hassick on a breakaway. I, I was grinning ear to ear. And then, anyway, I went in, and Shane Corson was out in, in the intermission. I mentioned it to Corson, and he actually said it. Because I was like, you know, I'm, I'm, I said, I'm, I'm into it here. And he goes, no, you're – and Corson loved me. He wanted success, nothing but for me. Great dude, uh, man. Yeah, great dude. And great, great dude. And I have a lot of similarities with him. You know, we're, we, we're both the same position. He went eighth overall. So did I. He has similar numbers. We're all similar guys. So I, I loved him on my team. And uh, he came in. He goes, yeah. And I said – I said, you know, Barnaby went out and I said, I, I don't know if you hit Coy, but it was somebody. I said, you know, he, he kind of hit me. He wasn't dirty, but I go, it's, it's reason enough I could kind of start a fight. And he goes, yes, 100%. Do not, don't uh, look back, collect $200, pass and go, whatever it is, <laughs> fucking do it. I'm like, okay. He was adamant. So first thing, yeah, and the face-off was over in front of the bench and I, I can't even remember. But I remember looking right at you, I swear, and you grinned ear to ear and said let's get at it and we did it and it was exactly what I thought it was um uh it was it was not pretty even I give you're you're being nice it was completely even I was worn out at the end and you were an NHL fighter I I don't think I could have lasted much longer and you could have (laughs) we could have gone there so anyway it was a great memory and at the end of the game Ron McLean, you see, I know Ron because Ron's from Red Deer, and I played for the Red Deer Rebels for 96, 97 for the last part of the year. So, And he knew I had a concussion in junior, so he was always on my side. And he just came in the room, and he said, come on out, me and Grapes are going to have you from a Hockey Night in Canada interview. So it was awesome because I got yes. sent down after the game. And, you know, I was back in Dolan's and Freddie the next night. <laughs> but it was, you um, I had a story for the boys, you know, and yeah. you know how it is when you're – When you're in junior winning your minors and it's a Hockey Night in Canada game and someone gets called up, all the boys were watching it. When I I got into the dressing room the next day, it was applause. It was nothing but applause. And I love, love, love that memory. It was just such a great moment in my career. So, you know, in retrospect, I thank you for saying yes.
1: I'm going to post that on MatthewBarnaby36.com. I'll post the fight with the interview uh, with Terry Ryan. It was fun. It was great. And Bob Cole... Announcing the fight, it was a long one. We both hit each other uh, lots, but uh, mm-hmm. certainly it's a memory for me too. And I'll, a- any fight, anything good that happens in Montreal, it's uh, it's a pretty pretty sacred spot. Uh, anyone I've ever talked to has the same sentiment you do towards Michelle Terry. And I talked about him and Junior being a douchebag, sending guys out to fight. But you, just in general, what's your experience with him? I know you had a run in with him or a meeting um that really wasn't much of a meeting at all but talk about michelle terry and in the short period of time uh you were sure um well looking back
2: okay we we had a, a conflict and an adversity was always there there was a friction and that side of things was foreign to me um i'd always been embraced wherever i went and you know um Tri-City's number one pick. I, I went third overall in the Western draft after and finished that story that I started three hours ago. But so, and, you know, I felt like I was a commodity and I felt wanted. I I, I didn't even really have to think about it. I didn't think about anybody else going into adverse situations as players. I didn't have to. I, I, I'm i not sure what I thought of that. So, but, I you know, and I, w- I was a guy to score and, and, and be passionate and celebrate and all the, you know, mock other teams, chirp, I did it for, you know, people knew that deep down, I think I was a good guy, but you know, you get under skin. I'm talking to a person that knows exactly what I'm talking about. So I was a similar kind of guy and no coach that I'd had to that point really had any problem with that. Not only that, they embraced it. They liked it. I was the kind of guy in junior that the coach would say here, it's a thousand bucks, take the guys out. I know you can show them a good time, but don't show them too good of a time. Make (laughs) sure you're in, you know, half hour after curfew, that kind of thing. So And, you know, I would score and do these silly dances, if you can believe it, that hot stick move, Ovechkin. Ovi got that off Jose Theodore. That's documented. That's my move. I swear to you. We'll elaborate on that later if you want. I know that's presumptuous for me to say. I promise you it is. It's a chapter in my book. I got to hear it. it. I got to hear it. Um, So I will get into that after. But So that was my approach. I got there. So I get to Freddie, and he doesn't say much. I know a game or two is happening. I'm, you know, I'm not playing a lot, but to be honest, I didn't deserve it. I wasn't entitled either. Don't get me wrong. I needed to earn my ice time. But as like you got game four five, six, I'm like, well, I'm looking around and we split that year, that first year with LA. So 10 guys on our team were the LA and I'm like, well, you're with Montreal. I'm with Montreal. I'm looking around. Why aren't, I'm their first round pick. Yeah. I don't think I've done anything not to get the ice time, but I get that I got to earn it, but I'm waiting. I'm waiting. It's like the sixth, seventh game. Nothing. I'm going, gee. And when I say I'm playing, I'm like maybe two shifts a period. So I'm going, okay. And he calls me in. I'm like, okay, now I at least talk to him. But I was kind of nervous at that point. I'd never gone to see a coach about anything like that. I'd gone to see coaches about adverse stuff, but it was more like homesickness and Uh, maybe injuries and stuff. So anyway, I went in to to approach this. I didn't know how I was going to do it, but he called the meeting. So the door opens. I go in, and Michelle has, he likes to have mental dominance. So he's sitting behind a desk, and he's got me in a chair straight in front of his desk, maybe 10 or 15 feet in front of it, and my chair is lower than his, so he can look down on me. That's just his thing. So, but I don't really know it at that point. I don't know much about him. Uh, I go in sit down. I don't say anything. He lights a cigarette. Okay. I find that odd. Even at the time, you're going to be a coach in your coach's office, having a cigarette with a player. And anyway, so he smokes it. And and 30, 40 seconds go by. Now, we, now I'm waiting a little bit longer. Now like a minute and a half has gone by and I realize he's not going to say anything. So I say, fuck it. I'm not going to say anything. I should have <laughs> just a you fucking know, I guess stare did, off. Yeah, I stare directly into his eyeballs and I'm like, when I say I stare at him, like people might like, just don't don't like gloss over that. Think about it. Think about anybody. It could be your wife, your, your, your dad, like whatever. Think about just staring directly into his or her eyeballs for the duration of a cigarette. It's weird. So the, I had no game, though. I didn't know what to do. I knew he yeah. wanted me to say, what the fuck? I knew that. Yeah. Right. So I'm like, OK. I can't really get in any trouble, quote unquote, if I just look at him. I don't really know what to do. So, But I was spidey anyway, so I'm, I'm looking right at him in the eye. And he smokes it right down to the butt, puts it out, and says, get the fuck out of my office. So I get up. I go out. I don't know what just happened. I'm going, what the fuck is this? I go in the room, and I tell the boys, not that I want to talk out of class, but something just happened to me in there and I got to talk to somebody. Yeah. And I'm going what? And have anybody ever recognized this? And a couple of them come over and they're like, uh, he's got this history in junior, you know, they're playing the Quebec league, Martin Gendron or whoever they've more set. Like the boys are in there. So I can't remember who, but whatever. They all knew that Michelle was like this now as the year goes. So anyway, after that meeting, he does play me. So I, I get out there and, the thing is, David Ling, I find out later, had requested to play with me. David Ling's a beauty, good player, starts Bucket, a lot love of shit. Him. Love,
1: love him. him, right? He, he love was him. famous. He, he played in Kingston in the Ontario Hockey League. <laughs> <Yeah>. uh, <laughs> yeah. Great dude. I actually saw him this year at, at an event, but he hung out with my buddy Tyler Moss that was drafted. Yeah, I went to Brainerd went
2: with Tyler Moss. I we, trained in Brainerd with Tyler Moss. Okay, so we, we went
1: to a bar one night, and I want to get back to it. But he's famous for back in the day – Taking his teeth out in the bar, putting it in girls' drinks, and then <laughs> drinking their drink and getting his teeth caught.
2: Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Or or teeth. Maddie or Maddie. Well, oh, yeah. I was his roommate when I was when I was Dave's roommate. We had all inflatable shirt, uh, furniture at a point, and here was my approach. Did, Linger used to do that. I love Linger. I still talk to him. him. And I used to do this. I used to I used to do this. Linger would do that with his tooth, and when I went in the bar, I would just do this with my dress shoe, whatever. Until someone said something, and usually it was a girl, because guys don't give a fuck. They go, what are you doing with your shoe on your head? And I'll be like, just wait to talk to you, honey. And then I put it back on. Conversation started. Oh, yeah, it was great with Linger. We, um, but anyway, and, and I hung out with him. So I'm going Linger. I was adamant at the beginning of the year. I'm like, i will be a good winger. Like, you know, you're off to a bad start. And anyway, so, yeah, it was a great fit. So I realized Tyrion called me in because he was going to tell me that I was going on Linger's line. That's what happened. Whatever happened, because I did. I went up with Linger. I had a goal and assist the next game. Um, it was a great compliment because I could find him. He's a better scorer than I am, but I could uh, pass it and set him up, much like I did with Damon and Jr. It was a similar role. And Linger, the, Linger starts a lot of shit, so I'd be there to, yeah. to answer the bell. Now, which is over the course of the year, that is exactly what happened. But this first game was six or seven games in that that happened. And he called me in to tell me. And, and so ignorantly, he had a smoke and blew it in my face. But then I go in and I see the lines are different. I'm like, okay, that's what's different about today. So I have a good game. I get like third star. Now he phones, calls me in, calls me into his office after this next good game, which it was either the game or two after. And he he tells me, oh, you you play great. I like you, Terry Ryan. He calls my mom, my dad in front of me. And, you know, he's here to stay. Uh, he's be a Canadian. I'm going, yeah, perfect. You know, I'm pumped I'm, I got a swagger on now swagger next game gives me my first shift with 30 seconds left and he some coaches give you the tap he grabbed my jersey like and did this one he said go fight Jeff Ware I went, wow Jeff, Ware, Jeff Ware's a big guy he went 15th overall my year but he wasn't a fighter yeah he didn't want to do it and I go on the ice and I'm like what do I do now and I looked at Jeff and I said I've never been in this situation in my life I said my coach just told me to come fight you and I'm going to going to do it and I kicked the shit out of him. And I went off. I'm like what in the fuck happened? And right, I didn't go to the penalty box, right? I got kicked out. So I took my helmet and I threw it all it, it went across the ice and it bounced off the glass on the other side of the ice. And he knew I was pissed. Now at that point, I'd had enough. This is 8 games into my first year. now again the thing is he was what he was doing Mike he he was in his words probably would be lighting a fire or whatever but to me it was it was showing mental dominance turning me into a soldier I didn't like it anymore I didn't want to play hockey I didn't want to be around I was crying myself to sleep this never happened yeah it's like never happened I got through life on cruise control whatever and I know that now maybe I but I worked hard though you know I played junior when I was 14 I'm an only child I got in schoolyard fights with any bully that came at me so I'm not saying I didn't have adversity, but I didn't have someone ever playing mind games with me. If it was someone in my class, go fuck yourself. I don't have to talk to you. Yeah. But if it's my coach, whoa. So anyway, the year goes on, and I did play with Linger almost all of that year from that point. Mike had little things he would do like that to get – but I ended up with 21 goals and 256 penalty minutes. Most of them earned in – uh 72 games that's or, a or tough
1: fucking league too every night it's a tough
2: league man and i was fighting guys now matt like it wasn't it wasn't like junior where like i might fight you know or you know, i don't know tux or donor or Gindler. No, they, they they're were men. tough they're men they were yeah they're men these guys yeah we went to like yeah they're men and and a lot of them were in freddie you know montreal historically at the time didn't have the toughest teams although if you combined everybody in the three years I was in Fredericton, you would. It's just Jerry Fleming was hurt. Morissette was hurt a lot. So me and Aaron Asham, who also is a great episode on your show. I listened to that one. Fuck
1: is he great. Um, great. He's dude. one of
2: my best friends. Yeah. He's one, one of, my of the best nicest the
1: guys. I, I hated him and he fucking yeah. beat me up a couple. Well, times a
2: again, time. though, you know what? Very similar to us. Great dude. Great come- yeah. dude. Like, he's similar to us on and off the ice. Right. Yeah. And I've always said that he's like a right-handed version of me. Uh, uh, Cause we played junior together and I, I, just fucking love him but um anyway and ash and i had to do I, I in a junior ash and i i think we would have been considered a bit more than middleweights because we fought the big guys but we were yeah. we were middleweights at, in general but we got to pro man and that that cut our teeth and it, aaron it really helped he, he fought all the heavyweights and so did i and I, I didn't mind doing it man i didn't i didn't mind taking a punch in the face um my history with concussions is a little bit different i got them from open ice hits i fought guys so as not to get hit my first Two game, second game in the West, I went after Brendan Whit. People are like, why? I'm like, well, I don't want him to hit me. I don't mind him punching me in the face. Yeah. Um, so, but anyway, anyway, um, so that ended up, I just, I, I had a good year, I guess you consider it that, and I was just, I, was, I took it, Matt, I took it. And as the year went on, I said, fuck it, I looked, 20 games left, 15 games left, 10, and I just took it. And if Matt, Mike did that to me again, I'm like, fuck it, I'm going to get 20 goals and I'm never going to see him again because I'm going to make Montreal. Now, the next year, when I didn't make Montreal, I was so down. And I went back, and I had similar numbers, but that was it. I wanted out every day. I'm Spidey every day. Yeah. I went, speed dial, Mr. Hool, can you trade me? Speed dial, Mr. Houle, can you trade me? Speed, Mr. Hool, can you trade me? Why did you draft me in the first round, Mr. Houle? Well, I didn't. Serge Sabard did. I wouldn't have. Okay? Why did you trade Darcy Tucker, Brad Brown, Valerie Burray, Craig Campbell, Thomas Vocoon, uh Craig Conroy? or John, or Jim Campbell, Craig Conroy, all these guys. I'm like, why? Just can you please? And he just, Reggie said to me, he goes, well, he goes, I, I haven't ruled out that you can make our club eventually. I wouldn't have picked you in the first round, but I'll offer you captain in Quebec, which was their firm team for two years, coming off Fredericton. And uh, he said, you know, you'll probably be our first call-up. But he called, told me this before camp started. And at the end of that second year, I said, I can't do it again. There can't be a chance that i'm I'm going to blow my head off, Reggie, and I'm not kidding yeah. you, if I'm under this guy again and I hate hockey, and I just put in two years to get rid of him now. now listen, what happened to me, whatever, blah blah blah, two years later goes by. I'm in the minors, I hurt my ankle i I really I went about it the wrong way i I didn't go back to camp. I should have. I look like a spoiled brat and the thing is man I, I want to say this before I end this this part of, of your show. I was a rookie player, and he was a rookie coach, okay? Now, he treated me like a piece of shit, but there's a lot going on now with these riots and everything, and it's too easy to paint someone with, you know, all so-and-so are this, or all black people blank, all white people blank, all Newfoundlanders blank. Yeah, And I'm not going to say all authoritarian coaches anything, or all Canadians, or all... Mike Tyrion at that time, was a prick to me.
1: Yeah,
2: He also... He generalized a lot. I was the type of guy that might come in with blue hair one day. I was different. I'd celebrate goals like I told you. I'd maybe go to a Metallica concert at night, right? And, I'd, and I know that he, he had some fear of this personality, of big personalities. I know Anarchy, he did. yeah. Anarchy. He did, and I'll give him that. I don't think it was warranted because he never really got to know me that well. But there were good times with Michelle Tyrion. And I believe most of that was an act because he used it as a tool. It might have been the wrong one, but I truly believe it. Because there were times that, you know, I remember him again, if, if I'm going to say the bad stuff, he did a couple times call me up the front. I remember once, to, 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 to give you an idea what I'm talking about, once I'm back there with the boys, um, working my way back to the back of the bus. You know, it's my first year, even though I played a little bit of Montreal at 19. It's still my first year, and I'm a big fan of that. I, 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 I like earning my stripes. So I made my way back half, it's like three quarters of the way through that year. And he looks back and he, Terry, and he's got a got like a a newspaper or something in his hand. Terry! And the boys are like, Oh Jesus. Now everybody shut up because it's like, ah, fuck, what have I done now? What have I done now? And you know, little things I would do. I remember you know, we were in the Montreal Airport and me and Linger did this, like, you know how the moving walkways? So me and yeah. Linger figured that, so we got ahead of everybody and we pressed stop on them as we got to the end. So everybody had have to actually walk, but I didn't realize that Mike was back there with the secretary. So there was little, a few times like that, that I fucked up too. I was trying to fuck over the boys <laughs> and it was big. So I could see how he thought I was a shit disturber. I really do. There was not much, I think he thought there was more to it, but anyway, he called me up and I'm like, what is this? He's going to bring up some shit that I'm a Newfoundland or I'm an idiot or I'm fucking too much of a joker. So anyway, sits me down and I know he could sense my frustration and this is the humane part of him, Right. And he, and he just, he had this thing open this magazine he knows the Beatles are my favorite band. And he opened, it. he said, how about that? Look. And it just said something obvious, like, you know, in 1967, Sergeant Pepper came out and it uh, led to the Beatles psychedelic phase or something. And, you know, Every Beatles fan knows what Sergeant Pepper is and everything. He was just, and it was certainly no reason to call me to the front of the bus. I think it was just his way of saying, like, you know, I get it. I I get it that, you know, life is life and hockey's hockey. And these are your interests. And I I do see you as a human. I think it was his way to do it. Yeah. He was young at it. And I, I don't think he ever became this great guy, judging on what I hear. But in order to be a National Hockey League coach, even for a few years, he had to learn from a lot of that, and I believe that he did. So I'm I'm going to say that I forgive him, and it's in a box, and the, it's locked. I, le- I I do a lot. I got a healthy 10-year-old girl. I raised a great uh, stepson, BJ Young, uh, lost his life in 2005. He was one of my best friends. I raised his kid. Um, I'm doing some acting now. I got lots of opportunities, and I got a second book coming out. I thank the not, – I'm not religious – I'm spiritual. There's something. I just don't believe it's what we think it is. But whatever. I thank whatever the fuck that is that I ended up where I am. So I totally forgive him, and I understand it was just a hard time.
1: First of all, I'll get confirmation because this is about the 10th time I've heard that he's a douche and done douchey things. But I also know he grew up in an era in coaching where that's the way he learned. He learned from Bob Hartley that was a fucking douche and treated players like shit and grabbed guys by the collar and told them to go fight guys because – I've been told. Yeah, I've been sent out to fight you, by Bob, by Michelle, by those guys. I've never. I probably played for maybe the toughest coach in Ted Nolan ever. Did he put me in predicaments sometimes that I had to fight? Yeah. He put me on the ice with Gino or Donald Brashear at the end of a game, and I, I knew what I was out there for, but he never said, go do it it was still my choice so of
2: course and, and 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 you know and you're good at it or you wouldn't have been the national hockey league doing it he respected you yeah, <laughs>
1: yeah. yeah. but to to send guys out it's just a different area it would never ever happen now I'm glad because I have a kid that's trying to make his way in the pro ranks and I've coached kids and I see kids and it, it we just live in a totally different world and, and I'm glad for that and you wouldn't have written two books have a second coming out being where you are Have if you didn't go through all these you know things that you went through with with douchey totally. people and had the stories that that you had one guy i wanted to ask you about because i don't know a lot about him i've only probably met him once in my life crazy motherfucker um the bird man you, you got to give yeah. me something on the bird man god rest his soul i think he passed away i think he was 50 or 51 when he passed away. Yeah, he's he's, Uh, he's 50. I got to watch him in Quebec. I I played junior in in Quebec City. Uh, So the Birdman, I've just heard so many stories about this guy. Uh, I know you know him. Uh, Anything to share on on the Birdman?
2: Well, Bird Dog is one of those guys. Uh, He's a Newfoundlander at heart. So he's a big guy, drafted mid-80s to Philadelphia, and just crazy. He has a hockey tape that he called, he'd call his resume and it's everything from running the goalie on a breakaway, flipping the puck over the boards on a breakaway, run the goalie, um, (laughs) leaping feet first into a bench. This guy was nuts on the ice moved. um, I'm going to tell you a story now about 98, 99, uh, no 99, 2000, but moved to St. John's is one of his last stops when he was 30 or 31 signed with St. John's Maple Leafs. And Ended up staying here, and after he played senior hockey here instead of pursue his career for moose, moose meat and fish, and you know, we had a great league, senior league here. It pays for the most part, and um, but that's what he played for, and he had his rubber boots on, um, worked at the golf course, just kind of odd jobs, just, uh, I mean, not hurting. He saved money. That's what he wanted to do. He wanted to be around the boys, be around people. Absolute doll. This guy was a teddy bear, a gem, but on the ice probably the most feared player that I've ever come across because I won't say the toughest he's one of, but I wouldn't say the toughest cause there's people out there that are professional fighters that I think were like a Frank by guy, you know, I can keep going, but
1: Frank, the animal,
2: the animal, like guys like that, that, you know, Tony twist and guys that are, I I mentioned by for the AHL, but you know, he, he was real, real tough. I don't believe he got up, but um, he was the AHL version of Tony twist. So, there's guys like that, but bird was nuts. Like he was nuts. He'd go. And, and, and I remember in the hockey news, he remember the plus and minus section at one point when we played against him, he said minus Greg, Greg bird, Greg bird, Doug Smith gets suspended for the 47th time, making him the most suspended player ever in the history. <laughs> I was like, and I mean, anything was possible. He might whack you over the head. He, he tried to, uh, when the night Jerry Fleming's Jersey was retired in Fredericton, it was on like a, a rope. You know, when they, they bring it up there. So just for that particular evening, it's on the rope. Anyway, he got a penalty, and he went chopping it. He chopped and chopped and chopped at it. It nearly came down. Madness, madness. So we were in the playoffs. So it was every every Canadian team had been knocked out of the playoffs. So Munch, or Freddie was playing St. John's. And in the Atlantic Division, then, of the AHL, it was the Fredericton Canadians, St. John's Maple Leafs. There's something to that when the minor league wears the exact same jersey as the major league team. Yeah. Right? It wasn't the Hamilton Bulldogs. Yeah. It was the Fredericton Canadians, who we got our jerseys from Montreal. We put a little Dodge patch up here as a sponsor. But there was a real feeling that you were – I felt like it was a 50-man system. Like, there was 50 people on the Canadians. I, I felt the same way when I played in St. John's for the Maple Leafs. Um and but anyway, this this particular year I was on Fredericton. And anyway, so but all the teams have been knocked out. So this is a story. TSN's there, like there's there's quite a lot going on. And it ended up being a crazy, crazy series for another reason. One guy lost his eye, Mark Dyell. It was nuts. Anyway, we're up 2 nothing. We go into St. John's, beat it's a three out of five. We beat we beat them the first two games. We're coming back to Freddie. We all we gotta do is win one of these. Now, they do. Todd Gillingham's playing on that team. mentioned it to Gilly. Um, they have a good team and they have a tough team. Sean Thornton is there. He would do what you did. He used to fire pucks over at Tyrion, and I'd hope he'd hit him. Uh, you know what I mean? Like, it was awkward for me because I used to go, Thorny, I'm going to fight you if you do it, but like, which we did, but I'm like, please hit him in the fucking forehead. <laughs> uh, but anyway, we were on our ice. Pre game skate, and, um, you know, really short. And anybody who was going to play any level at all that night, you were just kind of getting a skate i think it was optional so but we're out there anyway skating around and i come in i'm I'm sitting next to aaron asham i can't remember what we were talking about but it wasn't hockey uh we had our gear off i I believe it was his new wiener dog or some shit anyway we were uh we were bullshitting about something other than hockey because i remember it being a dave morissette came in the room and he said bird dog he's gone crazy he's on the ice so we went out what the fuck So we ran out and there's pucks. Boom, boom, boom. I still don't know what was happening because I ran out to the bench. And when I realized it, I got kind of down under the bench. So it was, it was akin to being in a bunker or trench or something in warfare is what it was. Picture the bullets being the puck, I guess, because we we all got down and I still, I was afraid to come up because I didn't know who was shooting the pucks. I figured someone on our team had gone nuts. Uh, The last, the very last thing I'm thinking it's a fan. It's, a crazy Zamboni driver. The last thing I'm thinking while our players are on our ice is that it's one of their players. Sure enough. So boom, I hear the stick, boom, boom. So the stick, I see the puck. Now I know I get a second. I look up, peep over It's bird dog. It is leap scare on our ice going around, picking out guys, slapping pucks at them. So, People, including Dave Morissette, runs off. Like, you know, it's one thing to fight a guy, but what's happening? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Roland Melanson. Roley Melanson. Now, in Freddie that year, you wouldn't believe it. Our goalies are <laughs> – we got three. Jose Theodore, Thomas Vaucun, and Mathieu Garan. <laughs> so <laughs> Garan, Garan's the, thir- the losing guy out. He's got to sit. So <laughs> he's out there doing drills with Roley Melanson. Anyway, Roley Melanson's sitting there, and he's got one hand on his stick, and he doesn't move. He's the only guy that doesn't move, and I'm looking out there. I'm going, it's gonna come, it's gonna. And Bird looks, and he sees that it's one of the coaches. He thinks about it. He thinks about it for maybe uh, ten seconds. He fucking fires one. Roly, oh shit! His stick went flying, hits Roly in the leg. Now I mean, even then, I'm thinking this is lawsuit all over it. Like what? Everybody, Garon, Roly, we all pile off the ice. Some guys dive down where I am. Most guys right, go in right in and to the room and sure enough the St. John's Maple Leafs come out and they take over. I'm looking up. It's 1013. We're supposed to have two minutes of practice left, but I guess in Bird's mind they were told that we had to get off at 10 and for whatever reason it was a slight mix up rather than ask the question. Bird came on and did that. And I couldn't believe it that night when I came out on the ice. I'm like, what the fuck's he doing here? I went over to the refs. I'm like, what why is this guy out there? I'm only saying it because I might lose my eye tonight. (laughs) So anyway, they're like, ah, we didn't see it. So he got out there and sure enough, he put on a shit show again, man. He fought more set and then he chopped him over the head. I believe it might be on YouTube. He chopped him over the head with the toe pointing down from his own penalty box right over it. It was fucking mental. But anyway, that's just one. That's just one. That's the way Bird was on the ice. Now he's, Remained one of my best friends in the world, and he passed away a few years ago. That story's told with complete love and affection, because anybody knows him. That they, a, it's true, and they love him. That he was that crazy, and they've forgiven him. Because uh I'm telling you, when he retired, he did nothing but bring positivity to everybody's life. And he lived here in Newfoundland, and he absolutely embraced the place.
1: I'm getting chills because of how good a guy I've heard he is off the ice. And you've told me before, and I've I've asked you stories uh, about him, but it's it's crazy the era that we played in the shit that we saw like like yeah. insane I remember being in the Quebec League trying to break a guy's arm in the penalty box like trying to close the door on his fucking arm and I I actually got a two game suspension back in like eighty nine it would be a, like I'd never play again what, it would be what Bird Dog did and I said Bird Man Bird Man obviously is a baseball uh, basketball player but Bird Dog was a fucking lunatic but with even like guys like him, Probert, they're the nicest guys. Like nicest Venus, guys, yeah. as anyone that had ever met Bob Probert, God rest his soul as well, who passed away years ago, the nicest, quietest guy yeah. you could ever meet, would do anything for, for, for anyone else. He came
2: there. here, Matty. He came here to Darren Langdon's go- uh, hockey school and I watched it with my own eyes. He stayed on. There was an obligation for all of us to stay out there for a little bit. We all do. I mean, I'm from here. It's, it, it's, it's different. You know, I see these people. They're, you know, a lot of people that me and Lang are new and everything. And a lot of the people that come in, you don't expect much, you know, show up for your hour of hockey school, come out and do the dry land with them. And, you know, you've earned your money. That's why they're here. And he stayed out, man. He stayed out for hours, hours. Not just sign autographs, whatever anybody wanted. Then we all went, um, well, they went fishing. I wasn't big into it at the time, but I kind of drove with them, and um, you know he was he was just great. I remember having a really down to earth. I met him that one time, well outside of playing against him, and um, just a, a big teddy bear. But you know, to go to go back on one thing, and gracious and nice. Um, you know, guys like you and I, because of that different there, there's a there's a mindset. It's not we could thrive then, but but don't get me wrong. Like I think today's climate is much more healthy. There's guys that I know in that era that, you know, they shouldn't have had to be scared of getting chopped over the head or like, you know, like they would have survived if it wasn't such such chaos. Now, the more physical it got, I guess I could, I'm not gonna say it didn't cause the bit of anxiety, but I use it as, it was kind of positive butterflies. Like I, I knew I could deal with it and some people couldn't and I saw it as an edge. But definitely now there's more opportunity for people that, you know, can play the game fair and everything and and whatever. I like to see the rough stuff. I still do. I'm just yeah. saying that there was there was a
1: little bit of chaos back then that,
2: you know, maybe it's probably good that your son doesn't have to deal with.
1: God let God blessed beer and Jameson because it got me through many a night the night yeah. before, <laughs> knowing what could happen uh, the night of. I could do a ten hour show, and you have to make me a promise before you leave, that you will co-host this show with me a couple times this year, and we'll get a couple guys on, maybe former teammates uh, of yours or mine, or just talk shit in general. But I'd love to co-host a show because you're super smart, super intelligent. I'd love to. And uh, very knowledgeable. Um, Senior league. Yeah. Why why is it so big there? I I played in uh, Dundas for all about four games.
2: Okay. You played that year? I played for Clarenville and okay. you weren't in the final game. Cause we lost in double overtime to your team. Okay. So
1: I only ended up playing like four games cause it was too big a hassle for me to get to the game. Yeah. And I was coaching my son's team. Every time I got on the ice, I had a fucking different guy wanting to fight me. I'm like, I'm fucking 40 years old, man. Like, I really don't want to be fighting every night. And I, yeah, had, that, like, yeah. big hey. bastards running around. It's big out there though, isn't it? I, I know it, well, it's great hockey. Like, a lot of former guys that have played, Europe, oh, wow. NHL, AHL, East Coast. It's fucking great hockey, but why is it so big? And how many guys do you still play now? Well, I was playing this
2: year, if you can believe it. it came, first of all, I'll, I'll preface it with this. Senior hockey in general, Matty. So my career on the ice professionally ended in Orlando, I believe it was 2004. And I had a bad ankle. And, I, you know, I got, I got into ball hockey after that. And, and for whatever reason, it took a few years but my ankle got a lot better. I, I, I still think that, you know, I turn one way kind of like a 747 the other way on a dime. So
1: I think the <laughs> NHL would have
2: always been pushing it because, you know, coming out as a winger, coming out of the zone, there's just too many times you're flying through the middle and I couldn't turn. Like guys like Dion Phaneuf would eat me up. But I, 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 all of a sudden I realized I, I can play senior and I don't even have to shoot it with cortisone anymore. And I loved hockey and I felt that it wasn't just the NHL, Um, you know, I I had a high ankle sprain. I kept trying to play through it because I was trying to make it anyway. When I had to sign my retirement papers and I looked at the injury and I I was upset I couldn't go overseas. So, you know, my career came to an end and I was upset. But if you want to call it that, I came back and senior hockey's always been big here. So I've played till now. I'm 43. This year I played for the St. John's Caps. and the reason I loved it and kept playing, Maddie, because you know, I like I said, I just said we can thrive on the rough game and everything, right? And you know, I would always get points and penalty minutes. But the game really changed recently. So within the last I fought Langer in our senior league in maybe 2009, 2010, Langer's last years, maybe. Um, Darren Langdon, that is. So there was it was going on always, but you know, I was more of a score, but you know, and, and it's real. Like they pay here, it's yeah, you get imports. Um but I, you know, like last year, I played in Saint John's, and it's full of guys in ex-pro CIAU, and everything. We got, like I said, Grand Falls won the won the Allen Cup just a few years ago. Which you, the, to think of the team you had in Dundas—you yeah. wouldn't think a team from Grand Falls, Newfoundland, would beat them, but one player from Grand Falls. But anyway, so it's like a money mini mini pro league. But there, I had two penalty minutes last year. The year before, I had zero. Right? I led the league in scoring. So yeah, and not that not that that means anything anymore. But I can. If I, I know it's late in my career, if you want to call that playing senior, but I never got to see it from that angle anymore. Like there's no one, there's hitting his way down. No one even thinks about fighting anymore. And I kind of liked it for a while. I said, you know, and these kids coming up that I, I coached and a couple of kids on my line, 25, 21. And it was a bit of fun this year. I don't know that I will from this point, but the last few years, it's because, you know, to have to, to be able to break out and not even have to worry about it with your heads down, you're yeah. like, and I just mean that in relativity. I know it's senior, but it's, it's seniors like that now because the people coming back are coming from the OHL or the Q or the CIS where it's just not as physical anymore. So it was nice to play that for a while. But um, getting back to it, the communities, seniors big in Newfoundland, but not the league in St. John's itself. Newfoundland is a big island, 14th biggest island in the world. It takes me Cornerbrook, Deer Lake. Cornerbrook's where Darren Colburn's from, Gilly's from. Some people know those – those names, uh, Lang, Darren Langdon's from Deer Lake, which is real close, maybe a half hour. takes maybe six hours to drive there. Then you could go up another five hours to St. Anthony. It's a big island. The metro, Half the population is in St. John's. I live in Mount Pearl, borders it. So Scarborough, Toronto. So the leagues in here, like I, I don't blame people. If I play for the St. John's Caps and I got a game – on a Friday night, you'd probably go see the Newfoundland Growlers, wouldn't you? I mean, yeah. we had a great facility downtown. So, in here, the league goes. Out. There's enough guys that can't make it out. I used to be able to drive out to Gander for a game, come back, good money. But you know, you get a family, you get things on the go. So in here, the league's all right. It's the the Avalon East League, it's called, and so it's it's mostly locals, and it's a lot of guys come back. It's a, the West League now, is smaller towns: Clarenville, Gander, Grand Falls. Lake, Cornerbrook, Stephenville, tiny, but, but it's the only thing. It's the only ticket in town. They, it's, it's, it's a franchise. Like they, they paint their faces. They sell jerseys. They have, it's their number one gig. They have imports. So I would drive like last going off. I won't say how much I was making. It's above board though. This isn't even, a, it gets people know about the money. It's a check. You you know, you're working for the community. If, you, if you're in St. John's and you drive to Gander three hours for a game. So just I'll give you an example. A few years ago, um, Aaron, like I said, is my best friend. So Aaron's last year in the NHL was, I think, 14, 15. And the Rangers, I think, went to the final. And he was on the Rangers. The next season, he's playing for me in Gander. We, we were allowed to have five imports. Money's not an issue, yeah. right? So it, because we got sponsors and fans and a TV deal in Gander – so no joke. So he's coming in and, you know, Aaron was great in our league, you would think, and, and, and I'm not putting him down when I say this, he was real valuable in our league. He had some great thought, I think twice, but it was more about, you know, Aaron's a good player, but it wasn't a cakewalk. Cause he, I think he thought at first he was coming to beer league. He was still in shape, but Aaron didn't lead the league in scoring. You know, it was Cam yep. Fergus who who'd had 50 goals. Cam Fergus who plays in that league now in, in Dundas, played for us in Clarenville, but he's from his, uncle's Tom Fergus he's from he's a stuntman now in Toronto but I think he plays for the real McCor- there's another team I forget the other team there's a couple other teams anyway he he plays there now but you know each team had four and five imports and then on top of that you had three or four Newfoundlanders that had played away some in the NHL like me so you could fill the ro- half the roster played in like the AHL the NHL or at the very least the East Coast League so Really, really, there's and there's always been a history of that, Matt. It, it goes in cycles. Um, Grand Falls won it, I think, the last like five years outside of one. So, you know, if one team keeps dominating, uh, often, you know, a team will drop out. And they'll come back. It's tough to keep a system, you know, when guys are getting drafted in and out and, you know, other leagues rules are changing. But we do give them their, give, give them their due. Newfoundland hockey has kept it in system for a while. Or kept it in place for a while. Even though it swings, we always have decent senior hockey. And um, it, it, um, I'll, I'll tell you, in 1990, I grew up, Maddie. I tell people this, and they don't realize it. When I say I grew up watching pros, like I watched my dad coach the Mount Pearl Junior Blades. Okay. So in the 80s, that I told you that there wasn't a lot of Newfoundlanders coming out and playing, but there were great imports on these teams. You look it up. Robbie Forbes, Sidney Crosby's uncle. A lot of people don't realize this. Look at his numbers on HockeyDB. They're insane. They're insane. They're in the OHL and everything. And he went over to I don't know why he didn't play longer. I talked to him all the time on Twitter now. I just sent him a book. He just bought one of three or four off of me. Great guy. Corner loves him. But he would come over here instead of the East Coast League. And I'll tell you. So Robbie would come close to him and a guy named Dan Cormier. Two best players in the league at the time. I'll tell you who's in the league, Mario Roberge. What does Mario do? The next season. The next season, he wins the Stanley Cup. (laughs) I'll tell you, Bill McDougall. You can look this up. 1990, 91, with with the Canadians. So, 91, 92, Roberge played in Port-au-Basque, Newfoundland. In 92, 93, he played for the Habs and won a cup. Um, In 1991, a guy named Bill fucking McDougall played for the port Mariners. And they didn't even win it that year. The next season, he sets the American Hockey League record with 52 points in 16 playoff games for the wow. Cape Breton Oilers. <laughs> I'm te- this is the- – my dad played in the league. Donnie House played in the league. Um, oh, my God. Going back, Kevin Morrison, who was like a 10-year NHL, WHA pro, tough guy. I remember him four years growing up watching him. People would pay through – I don't want to get into salaries. Cam Fergus was, yeah, I don't want to get into salaries. And it's never gone like He was doing well. Doing well. Making more than you would in the East Coast League. Um, And again, because I don't want to ruin it, even though it was above the board, I don't want that to get out. And we all know. But, and outside of, like, when I say I fought Langer, though, but it wasn't like the Quebec League, uh, which is. For those that don't know, there is a league. Crazy. At all. It's, it's crazy. Traumatic. It's just the puck drops. Five guys go. No, like in my biggest year in senior hockey, I had four. God, guys
1: are guys are also shooting up heroin the night yeah. before games. Living craziness. In like
2: absolutely yeah. nuts. Our league yeah. is nothing like that. It's above board. You go in. Uh, there's game notes. Uh, there's TV crews. You go in. Uh, yeah. Very very. So like we, we played in Dundas for that final. It was double fucking overtime, but you know anybody that knows Ontario and senior hockey and that's the best I compare it to our teams are all like that we have five six teams that could all play in the Allen Cup every year and do okay for sure